Hi, and welcome to Rebel Revolution. I'm Nikki Hafner. And I'm Allison Gomez. And Rebel Revolution is dedicated to challenging privilege and bias by asking the tough questions and dissecting the difficult answers. How are you doing today, Allie? I am good. I We just finished our first webinar. Ah! <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. That was totally a thing, and it turned out really well. I mean, it was really, it was really it cool. Did. We got to talk about all the different kind of things when it comes to um, learning to identify who we're supporting, um, how to invest, and how to speak out. Um, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. I mean, and I can talk about this shit all day because I literally do, kind of sometimes, so- all the time, <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Sometimes. So, Allie, I know that my scream sounded really scary and loud and whatnot, but it was also really exciting because I feel like we accomplished a lot and we made um, we we took one more step toward changing the world. What was your favorite part of our webinar? My favorite part was the fact that we did it. <laughs> Just the fact that it happened. Seriously. No, um, I really like getting like some of the feedback. That was really nice. It was. Yes. That I, so, as everybody probably maybe might maybe not know, you know, I'm a licensed therapist. Um, mm-hmm. Therapy is my jam. I love therapy. I love like, I love working and on deeper levels. And so when it comes to like webinar and teaching, I don't just like talking at people because that doesn't feel engaging to me. What I right. really like my zone of genius is working with people like at. And having discussions and digging deeper and asking questions and making people feel uncomfortable. Like, I'm kind of paid to make you feel uncomfortable. But the difference is I'm not doing it to be an asshole. I'm doing it to help you grow as a person. And I'm doing it in a way that Mm -hmm. is where there is safety. Like, okay, this is like, I don't like this feeling, but, you know, I know I'm going to be okay. And so, like, that is my... That is my jam. So when I can get people to engage with me, like in trainings and webinars, like mm-hmm. I love that. I would rather have like a discussion, a work group, like a workshop, a group to really like, okay, let's like, what the hell did we just talk about? And, like, and what's coming up for you? Like, you know, get past that intellectual part and get to like Definitely. the feeling part. Cause the feeling part's really like, really everybody kind of knows everything anyway. Mm-hmm. But that, but we don't know what to do with it because, like, a lot of times because of that feeling part, that's the thing that keeps us, like, holds us back and shit. So, yeah. So when we got some engagement, I'm like, yay! <laughs> can we have a workshop? Can we, like, just make it a discussion group? <laughs> yes. Can we just have a workshop? We actually, and that's the great thing about this webinar, it was a great sort of um, trial for what we are building to, which is our, what are we calling it a workshop? No, it's a two-hour training. Um, okay, I guess, so I mean, I, I mean, we're calling it a training. That's what it says on the thing. But it's definitely going to have room for ha- discussion, for processing, where you're going to learn about your privilege and bias and how to, I guess, like, sit with that discomfort of, oh, okay, here's where I'm, I have marginalized identities, but here's where I have privileged identities, and that doesn't make me an asshole, so now that I'm comfortable with that, I'm going to go out in the world and actually, like, challenge It's interesting. The system. It's interesting to acknowledge where you have um, marginalized identities because we are taught very, very strictly that 
claiming that marginalized identity is bad. Well, it I, is a negative thing to have. Uh, it, it means that you're making yourself into a victim. And in yes. reality, it's simply acknowledging who we are and, and what our identity truly looks like and paying respect to that. It is, it is truly radical self-love. And we talked about that during the webinar. I look forward to going in deeper um, in the future with you. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, here's therapist mode again. When we don't acknowledge our areas of marginalization, it kind of it kind of fucks us up. And here's why. Instead, we take on personal responsibility for things mm -hmm. that are not actually ours. So right. if the system is trying to have you fail, actively trying to have you fail, mm -hmm. that is not on you. That is on the system. Now, do you have accountability? I mean, is the everything in the wrong in your life the world's fault? No, you, you probably have some accountability in that too. <laughs> but like, if you are struggling with dieting and you're like, oh my God, I can't, you know, no, that's internalized sexism. The fact that you're trying to make yourself literally smaller. Oh, uh, right. well, you know, I've been told I'm a troublemaker. I keep talking up and being defensive. No, that's because you're a woman and you're not supposed to do that. You I've know, if you're uppity and that I need to know my place. No, right? Like, <laughs> so it's, I mean, so if you can acknowledge, okay, these marginalized identities, I can see how maybe some of the stuff that's happened to me happened because of that. So I don't need to take the, like, that's not a flaw in me. That's a flaw in society. And I don't need to change me. You know, it, it can be really empowering. Yeah. We're not victims, but, you know, this world literally tries to erase us. Absolutely. Or make us and put us in our place and make us comply. We're supposed to be complacent with everything. And when you try to not fit in that box, mm -hmm. it really causes a lot of pain. So if we can acknowledge why that pain is there, then at least we don't have to internalize it and think there's something wrong with us. So, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So let's get into a little bit of talk about what's coming up in this episode. We want to say right here, right now, there are um, a lot of areas that Allie and I get into in this episode. It's just the two of us here. So we went deep in a lot of different places. So here are some trigger warnings, things you should watch out for if you are listening to this episode. We talk about diet culture. So if you are struggling with you know, like, uh, accepting your body. If you're recovering from an eating disorder or disordered eating, um, you might want to skip over that part. Um, we also talk about residential schools. Um, so if that's something that you don't have the emotional space resources for, you could also skip over that. Um, and I believe we also talked about some sexual or, or abuse in general within the residential school. So just we talked about we talked about abuse, um, but we also talked about the church and abuse through the church. And that sometimes times is very specific and important to recognize there. And also uh, we hit on plastic surgery. So if any of those areas are sensitive to you, um, please uh, take caution going forward. Yes. Um, but also at the same time, if you do have the space for these things and you do have the emotional resources for these things, um, you are going to gain a lot of insight into the different perspectives of why these things all kind of tie into colonization and tie into, I guess, 
you know, oppression in general. Like they're they're all tied kind of to the same thread. So I so I would would like to know what you guys think. Like what are you guys gaining from these conversations? I Absolutely. Mean, so so, so if you want to tell us what you're gaining, you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at rebelrev underscore. You can find our uh, website at rebelrev.co or our link tree. We'll have links to absolutely everything at rebel, uh, no, link tree slash rebelrev underscore. But you can also find that on our Instagram at rebelrev underscore. True. So. Um, you, and our personals. Oh, at Allison Gomez. Wait, and, that's my name. That is my name. Yep. Um, at Allison Gomez LMFT. Allison with one L. We are a very special kind. She is special. And I am at Hafner Nikki on Twitter. Um, I'm also at Nikki Hafner underscore author on Instagram. I've been a lot more uh, creative. No, no, no. I've been a lot more active on there in the last few days. So if you add me, I might add you back. Yay! So, um, then we are ready for the episode. Yay! Happy listening! Um, but yeah, what I was saying was that, uh, so she, I remember all her life calling herself fat. Oh, I was always the fat one. I was always the chubby one. I was always this and that. I remember looking at pictures and thinking, that's what my body looked like. So I must be fat too. And now I see it with Kat and it's the same ideas playing out. And I'm like, it's so, you know, I've been on that whole kick a lot more lately where I'm like, I'm, I'm not dieting. I'm eating more vegetables, but I'm not dieting. I'm, uh, I, I'm eating less sugar, but I'm not dieting. I refuse to diet anymore. Um, and watching the same attitude where Kat's looking at herself and saying, I don't like my stomach. It's too big. Or I don't like, I don't like my thighs. They touch. And I'm like, you're 14. You're 14 years old. You, you don't need to be thinking about these things. Um, mm -hmm. You're healthy. Except, hmm? except that's all the 14 year olds think about these things. I mean, I think about me and my own relationship with my body. And this was something I was thinking about. For the longest time because I was valued so much mm. for how thin I was. I was thin and petite and adorable. I mean, I'm still adorable, but whatever. Um, but, you know, it, people would always make comments. And whenever I gained even a pound, I would be like, oh, my gosh, mm. I'd be so upset. And people wouldn't get it because I was thinner. Mm -hmm. And let me be clear. Then if you are in a thinner body, you do have thin body privilege. Mm -hmm. So this isn't. But it's also because of how heavy diet culture is, mm -hmm. it can also still cl clearly cause like existential angst. I mean, and we I are... didn't have to worry. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And, and I know as being in a thinner body, people dismiss stuff. Yeah. Versus being in it or not dismiss stuff, but like, I guess, yeah, but like they dismiss that those kind of behaviors because that's what deemed healthy versus like being in a heavier body where you get shamed constantly. Right. So I do what I do want to point out that privilege mm -hmm. in talking about this, but also being as a woman growing up in the U S mm -hmm. you know, that, that gets that. Yeah. You say she's 14. She doesn't, she shouldn't have to worry about it, but how do you not worry about it when you're told 
and every image is people who are thinner and I mean and it really becomes this moral thing right right anything but being fat anything but being in a heavier body well uh, it's actually this weird place right now where some people some bodies are being praised for being different and we see a lot of that where you see the dove campaigns where they're like oh is your child too made up are they putting too much focus on wearing makeup or putting filters on their photos um Mm. i've seen a lot of uh ads for like look at my stretch marks. They're my tiger marks or I'm beautiful even mm-hmm. with all this. And it, I, what gets me is why are we focusing so much on beauty to begin with? Why can't we just focus on acceptance? Why can't we focus mm-hmm. on this is who I am? Why can't this be good enough? And the other thing, and I, I was going to bring this up, um, with my family, we all needed labels. We couldn't all be pretty. We couldn't all be funny. We couldn't all be smart. We all had to have different labels that fit us so that we all had boxes. And I'm one of five children. Um, Well, that's not true. I'm one of eight children, but my grandmother raised five of us. So among those five, we had my older sister, who was the funny one and also smart. The one immediately below me, who was thin and pretty. We had um, the, the boy and... That just made him king. He was he was the boy. So he didn't need an extra title. And then we had the baby. And she could do no wrong. But also she was incredibly intelligent. Very cute. So she was the, the smart one. And I, I, I was just sort of there. I don't know if I had a... I don't know what I was. I was I was the black sheep. I was the oddball. I was the weird one. I was the goth. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? And that's, that's how I fit in. Um... To that family dynamic I, I was the not the good one <laughs> uh and it's it's very different having only one child because there are no labels to put on this situation it's not like oh you can only be funny or you can only be smart or you can only be pretty because my my child is all of those things and more and I recognize that and I'm not comparing my child to anyone else it's not like I constantly have another living being to say, well, look, your your sibling is so much funnier than you because they make me laugh four times a day. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's even even if you're a only child, even if you're in a ch- family with twenty kids, you have nineteen other siblings. It's like you can't escape this pressure. For sure. And it's really awful because, and I think the one thing that really sucks about when you become insecure with your body is that it is normalized to shrink yourself. But usually the reason people are insecure with their bodies in the first place is because of those fucking patriarchal expectations that, that are put on us. These unrealistic expectations. It's not just like, because I know there's like some people like who literally need to have surgery because maybe their breasts are too big and it really is fucking with their backs. Right. I, you know, like I need to, I need to decrease my breast size because it really hurts my back or, or, or whatever. And I, and also no judgment to anybody who actually engages in cosmetic th- surgeries for whatever reason, but I guess it's more like let's question why do we feel less than when we're not meeting these expectations that society puts on us? You're supposed to have a flat stomach. 
you're supposed to be able to wear these things and have nothing roll over ever. Your thighs aren't supposed to touch. You are, you know, whatever. I don't know. Mm. It, it's so fucking frustrating because who really can live like that? You know, the other day, um, they came out with, well, my mom said that this has been a thing, but I guess more recently they came out with this device that you can put on your teeth to physically force yourself to keep your mouth shut. Right. And as a weight loss solution, like we rather force you to starve yourself so you can meet this body expectation because that's what's more important. You literally depriving yourself of anything pleasurable. Right. I mean, the fact that you even want to eat when you starve is like a biological response mm -hmm. to famine. Like yeah. it's a biological response. It doesn't have to do with willpower or like, no, this is biology. Um, and yet you're a failure if you can't starve yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it's so fucked up. It, is. it definitely is. And the idea that we must be a certain size in order to have value is exceptionally gross to me. Um, I 100% I agree. I do want to bounce back just a little bit and talk a little bit about plastic surgery, um, <laughs> which, you know, common common term, uh, cosmetic surgery is what I would think better. Uh, just fucking surgery. There is nothing wrong with looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I don't like this. I don't like mm -hmm. this about myself. Now, I don't care what your reason is. I don't care if you don't like having small boobies. I don't care if you don't like having big boobies or boobies at all. I don't care mm -hmm. if you look at yourself and you want to cut off your leg. Go for it. Get a peg mm -hmm. leg. Become a pirate. I will join you at sea. Let's go. <clears throat> Let's go fishing. I'm there with you, bud. Um, I, I, I have no problem with that at all. Um, I know several people who have had plastic surgery for funsies and it's a thing. Mm -hmm. It's a thing they choose to do. Um, mm -hmm. I also know that for some people, they look at their bodies and they have this body dysmorphia and they want to change their bodies because it feels more like themselves. So, yes. um, especially, uh, breast reductions fall in that category. Um, mm -hmm. I know there are several other things that fall in that category. Please don't think I'm limiting you. I'm not. You're more than welcome to tell me about all of them. And if you're interested in coming on the show to talk about gender, gender dysmorphia, we're glad to have you. But Gender or body? Or body dysmorphia. It, body dysmorphia is what I was referring to. Um, but all the same, I want to make sure that it's clear we're not shitting on people who mm -hmm. just want to change their body. I'm not shitting on you because you looked in the mirror, didn't like the way your nose looked and decided to make a change. It's and so, oh, go ahead. I'm like, and I also want us to pause for a second too, because when you're talking about nose, I'm thinking about Jewish folks and their noses and how we need to eliminate that yeah. because of the anti-Semitism. I, I understand it is... for Jewish folks. For our family, it was always because we were black. We got a mm -hmm. lot of shit for mm -hmm. having noses that were too big for our faces. Um, gorilla noses, we were made, we were told. Exactly. And so that's kind of where it's... I mean, obviously, you're going to do whatever you're going to do with your body. I'm not going to get it in any way. I'm not going to support any legislation that says you can or can't. Like, whatever. Like, I'm going to support you and your bodily autonomy. Well, what I was going to say was um, that 
where, where nobody's saying you shouldn't have the ability to do whatever you want to do with your body. Um, all I'm asking for is that you ask why you feel like you need to do anything with it. Just ask why. Just ask why. So be, be curious. I know I know that when I looked in the mirror and I wanted to to change my nose and my nose isn't exceptionally wide. It's not even as wide as some of my family members. But I still looked in the mirror and I remember how often I was told I had a black nose and I was told that that was bad, that I looked in the mirror and I wanted to change that. And now, and I, I never have, but I look in, I look at myself now and I recognize that that was colonizers. That was a colonial ideal that said I didn't, I wasn't pretty enough because my nose was slightly wider than my white friend's. So, yeah, <sighs> just ask yourself why. And I think that applies to everything, right, Allie? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because it's, I don't know. I was having this discussion because clearly this is what I talk about a good chunk of my time. Right. In addition to, like, random ass things. But, um, I mean, it is so ingrained, call it, well, and, and, and okay, let me rephrase that. You know, I was talking about this more because on... Thursday, it was Canada Day, mm-hmm. and um, July first. Um, I don't know much about the history. I think that's also kind of like, kind of like a celebration of independence or whatever. Yes, like, it, it is. Can it, can it, right? Yeah, it is essentially our. Well, it's essentially Canada's Independence Day. Canada Day is a federal statutory holiday that celebrates the anniversary of the Canadian Confederation which occurred on July 1st, 1867, when they passed the British North American Act, where the four separate colonies of Upper Canada, Lower Canada, Nova Scotia, and New Brunswick were united into a single dominion um, within the British Empire, but separate from the British Empire. So you'll still see people here praise the queen they still consider themselves royal subjects in a lot of ways but they're also a free country that is separate yes and so that was on thursday yes and there was a cancel canada day type of i guess like protests and rallies and gatherings because Um, there's no pride in genocide exactly especially with all the children that they are finding yes over from the residential schools yes very very true they um the idea of and this is how i personally feel feel even as someone who is um a new immigrant to canada uh the idea of celebrating while bodies are still being uncovered from residential schools that were not only uh, condoned by the Canadian Canadian government, but they were illegal. It was illegal not to send your child to one. You know, mm-hmm. it, this was completely enforced by the the Canadian government. The very idea of celebrating that government while bodies of babies are being pulled out of the ground sickens me, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So a lot of places had. Um, had uh, memorials or remembrances instead and i was lucky enough to attend one of those so yeah i mean 
it's such an intense experience and it's awful i mean and you know and i hear a lot of people on the u.s side saying like oh my gosh look how bad that is and they judge canada right but it's like whoa 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 okay u.s folks shut up (laughs) because if you are judging them for that how do you think what you're not innocent in this either like we still have missions that we actively go to for field trips and we are not taught about how they literally erase culture i mean there's so much with the catholic church right that just erase so many cultures and experiences and lives and then get this get that i mean it's not shocking but it's still like what the fuck the cat like um an archbishop was stating how the catholic church is being persecuted mm-hmm. yeah it's not yeah. the word mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of because of what's happening mm-hmm. yeah 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 we had um a a catholic priest step in and say um i i believe the catholic church is being prosecuted you need to stop picking on us um and i understand and i do not condone (sighs) we do not condone actively destroying things and and at the same time when you oppress people enough and you push people enough and you erase that try to erase them from existence enough i you try to get them to go into compliance enough there is rage and there's anger and there is i think i think what's happening energy here, i think in particular what's happening here is we're seeing people who are sick and tired of not having people be held accountable they're not facing mm-hmm. consequences. They're not owning their mistakes. They're not saying sorry. Now, I'm, I do want to. I want to bounce back again. I'm sorry. Um, we we mentioned, or you mentioned, how the people in the U.S. are not owning this. They are not saying, "Oh, it happened here too." So mm-hmm. up here in Canada, we've got this huge group of people who are saying, "Yes, this is a problem that occurred. These residential problems occurred. They murdered." vast numbers of children um, in efforts to get the children many parents were murdered um, The there was horrible abuses happening and who knows how many babies were lost because of those abuses um, I mean it was gross and I could go on and on and on mm-hmm. for the first time in the United States there is a uh, Native American um, there is a Native American head of the interior uh head of the department of interior her name is deb holland and she has said that not only would she like the united states to look into these uh terrible occurrences in canada but she now wants to loss to she now wants to launch an investigation into the united states residential Mm -hmm. schools and boarding schools that natives were forced to go to She's going, she wants to to launch these investigations. Now, I can only imagine how many unmarked graves will be found if they start checking the missions. If they Mm -hmm. start checking the California coast where they, where the Spanish and, and other religious peoples went up, set up 
all of these places to herd natives and Mexicans into so that they could change them and assimilate them. And if not, then dispose of them. So I'm certain at least where I come from, there's going to be a ton of bodies found. I think it's just natives because Mexicans are, it's more of a colonized between indigenous and um, the Spaniards. Oh. <clears throat> and, and it was, became its own country when they, um, I know. Okay. I'm really horrible. I know I'm horrible with it, Mexican history. <laughs> with Manifest um, Destiny and when they cut it off and said, okay, well this part is Mexico and this part is California. Oh, yeah. They, they ch- started changing it. But how mm-hmm. I was taught about it was that when they cut it off, a lot of, the people who still lived in California were like, I'm not a oh, Californian. Yeah. I'm a Mexican. Fuck you. Oh, oh yeah. But they were already colonized before that. It's oh, like yeah. colonized the already colonized. Well, and that's very similar. See, that's really interesting to talk about. I'm in the middle of taking an indigenous, uh, an indigenous studies course. And one of the things they talk about is how, when the, the British and the French first arrived in Canada, they, they, they were trying to um, hunt. They, they wanted to, to check out the new world, see if it was even worth anything, if there was anything here worth stealing. Um, then they found out that there was beaver and beaver makes really good felt hats. And so they set up trading routes for a, a hundred years, a couple hundred years where they would uh, trade with the Native Americans. And the Native Americans here, the indigenous people here were they were active participants in this and it wasn't until they started seeing that they could basically they had been here long enough to learn to do the trade by themselves and that they didn't and well the beaver population was shrinking and so it was actually more competitive and then they realized they could do it without the indigenous folks and it was at that point that they decided to to fuck over the indigenous folks um but early on it was much more, okay, come join us, join all of our, I mean, the, the way the indigenous people run their, their shit up here, it's very much, uh, we're going to welcome you. We're going to share with you. We're going to uh, share our food. We're going to share, you know, our, our, our wealth, all of it. Um, <clears throat> sorry. So it goes on and on, makes me really mad. <laughs> You saying that reminded me about that time we went to um, up north for to go to the mission. Yeah. Um, we did a little small road trip. We went up there. We visited the mission because Kat had a Project. homework assignment or whatever. And, you know, and I remember when we went and, and by the way, like by this time, I recognized like, yeah, this is genocidal place, whatever. But it's kind of more still in the back of my head. It wasn't like the thing that's really taking up most of the space and so and you know and she said all these facts and none of them included how the mission erased it was about like the fur trade that with the russians and this and that and like so really when we look at these histories we look at all these other things but kind of ignore the violence well that occurred. That's, that's why I was bringing up the class I'm taking is because it's it's actually being led by three indigenous people and mm-hmm. <clears throat> they do mention the atrocities that are, occur repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So they say, look, early on, it was a, a mutual understanding and mutually beneficial trade agreement. Then mm-hmm. we started integrating our communities. Sometimes we married 
within each other. Sometimes these were people from France or Great Britain who had families over there, but they'd come over here. They'd marry within the tribes. They would use that, that familial connection to form trade connections to get better deals on beaver or whatever it was they wanted to trade. And um, then they would leave their indigenous family to go back to Great Britain or France and have their white family. Um, so they, mm -hmm. they hit on all of that kind of stuff and more. And it was fascinating and really great to have the experience mm -hmm. to learn about these things. And I'm actually, I think I've got three weeks left. I don't know. Um, but yes, in most cases, they talk about how the, the pilgrims came and they were struggling. So the Native Americans came and gave them food and shelter and took care of them. But then they don't talk about how the, the they turned around and murdered them at the first opportunity you know mm -hmm. not the native americans like the white folks didn't turn around and take their 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 stuff <laughs> take their homes take fucking everything well and Richard, <clears throat> you you were reading a really interesting book um i don't remember how long ago because apparently i'm old now and this is what happens when you're old you don't remember time um but you were reading an interesting book about cannibalism and colonization and how they use that to villainize um indigenous folks literally so finished can... yesterday it's called cannibalism the a perfect a perfectly natural history by bill shutt <clears throat> Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, that was the thing that reminded me, like, just like how the intention was wasn't ever really to work together or to it, it, it's that it's white supremacy. It's white supremacy. And it's about them being on top. And even if you're not white, I mean, we still buy into it, too. So should we take a break? <clears throat> sure. After these messages, we'll be right back. Congratulations, you're today's lucky winner. You're dead, but you've won a year back on Earth to do whatever you want. And I'll be your Grim Reaper chaperone. Rita, why aren't you at my desk? I'm talking to a lucky winner. Them, they aren't dead. I was going to tell them about the show. The show where I helped my dead human friend Dawn prove that she was murdered? Yeah... The paranormal stoner comedy. Yes, the scripted fiction show that's got fart jokes, sapphic romance, vampires, and acid trips. Where would they find today's lucky winner? On their favorite podcatcher app. Now get the f*** out of my desk. And we're back. So thanks for listening to that ad. Um, it was probably a podcast ad, which means it was probably somebody you should probably go listen to because they probably have something good to say. Um, I was on a podcast, uh, with, um, a man named Mike. The podcast is called Grab a Tea. That's Grab a Tea. He's got four episodes out so far. He basically just talks with people about something interesting. So, uh, if you want to hear me talk about interesting shit, I'm on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be on another podcast. Okay, Ali, this is, I don't know if we're going to leave this in or not, but I just got randomly invited to be on a podcast because a man posted on the same site that I go to to get guests. And he said, does anybody from the African American Church of the United States want to come on and talk about their church? And I, I sat there for a minute and I thought about it as a black woman. And I said, wait, 
the African-American church of the United States is not a thing. I have been black my whole life. I was in church for most of my life. The African-American, that's not a thing. It's not a fucking thing. It's not a thing. So instead of responding, first, I went and I did some research because that's how we handle things, right? We look it up. So I went and I did some research and I said the African-American Church of the United States. Nope, nope, not a thing. Want to know what is a thing? Black people who go to church. So I went through and I looked and I was like, okay, so I'm right. I'm right that this this isn't a thing and that he's just assuming that somehow black people's experiences are just that different. So I went and I I commented to him. I was like, do you mean the black experience of Christianity? Because that's not the same thing. (laughs) What you're asking for is a thing that doesn't exist and you're not going to get responses. And so uh, he came to me privately and asked me to please come on that he didn't realize that what he said was somehow (laughs) insensitive and incorrect and asked me if I'd like to come on and do an episode. And I'm all, well, first off, not a Christian anymore. And and though I have experience in black churches because my grandparents are black and they took me, I was not raised in a black church. I was raised in a white church, which as a black person is a very strange thing because white people look at black people and they, whether especially older white people, especially where I was from, said, Mark of Cain, that person is inherently bad because they have dark skin. And I was, you know, it was, it was a weird thing to have to live, you know, um, to grow up in a white church where people did look at you strangely. And then after you had proved yourself after however long of being there, they still, you know, well, you're one of the good ones. You're just, you're, it's so surprising that you speak so well. You've known me for five fucking years. What do you mean? It's surprising that I speak well, but whatever. Anyway, so I explained to him that I may not be the the best choice. And of course, to him, he's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) All of those things make you an even better choice. So I guess I'm going to do that. That's going to be an episode that I do. (laughs) That sounds really exciting, though. Yeah, he he has a lot of um, he has a lot of uh, listeners and a lot of international listeners Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of episodes. So so in the future, you guys will have that link. So it sounds like it's going to be an interesting experience. Probably. Probably, yeah. Anyway, Allie, I'm sorry. I just told you about all that because I forgot to tell you about it before and I wanted to tell you. Well, I think and for me and all of our listeners that that is also really exciting. So thank you for sharing. And it was educational for the people who did not know. That black. Hey, okay, guys. So here's what happened. When they started bringing slaves from Africa to the United States, they looked at these slaves who had their own religions and their own gods and their own belief systems. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. That's not going to work. And they said, "Okay, you have to take our gods because our gods say that it's okay for you to be my slave. And all of these slaves came over and had their their belief systems and their cultures and their their languages and their religion stolen from them, ripped from them. And then they had white Christianity shoved down their throat to justify slavery. Now, when that happens, there's not a whole lot for us black people to fall back on. And 
while there are different versions of church that exists, all of it is still white church. It's all still the white people's churches. And we just came along and said, well, I guess we don't have a choice anymore. Might as well take this. A lot of the tenets, a lot of the basic belief systems of these religions and of these denominations are the same as you will find at any other church. They are. So if you go to a black Pentecostal church and you go to a white Pentecostal church and they are the same level of subdivision. So let's say United Pentecostal versus regular Pentecostal. Let's say you go to United Pentecostal Black Church, you're still going to see a bunch of women in skirts. You're still going to see everyone wearing shirts past their elbows. You're still going to see the men with the properly cut hair and and whatnot. Everybody is going to be dressed a certain way and they're going to conduct themselves a certain way because it's the same basic tenets. The, in the same way that if you go to a Catholic church versus going to a Pentecostal church, there's going to be, damn it, I hate when my phone beeps. In the same way that when you go to a Catholic church versus a Pentecostal church, there's a drastic difference in your experience. That would be the same whether you go to a P Catholic church that is primarily black, which is, as far as I know, pretty fucking rare. Um, like, is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, it, I, you're more likely to find ones that are uh, primarily Latino or um, yeah, other like versions of that. Yeah. But still, for basic, uh, basic Protestant religions, you might find, you know, if you go to a Baptist church, it, it's going to be the same. A white Baptist church is going to be very similar to a black Baptist church. A Southern Baptist church is going to be very similar to a Southern Baptist church. But... A, a Catholic church or a, a Baptist church isn't going to be similar to a Pentecostal church or a, um, a uh, Presbyterian church. The way they see things, their tenets, their belief systems, the things that make them different denominations, that is what is different, not the color of the skin of the congregants. That's good, all. Good to know. <laughs> I mean, all I know is Catholic. I, I didn't really go to any other church. I just went to Catholic church where I daydreamed and imagined people like, like dancing down the aisle and like just kind of, or, you know, being annoying with my brother and like slapping each other and getting in trouble. Like, stop it or I'm going to separate you two. Nice. Um, I know. I wasn't, I'm not a good, I was never, a, I'm not Catholic, mm -hmm. nor was I ever a good Catholic. And see, I grew up, I, we went to Baptist and Southern Baptist when I was very small. And then as a teenager, I got involved in the local Pentecostal church. Mm -hmm. And that church was wild. If you were imagining people down, dancing down the aisle, I was watching them. I remember one woman, her name was Edie. She was a riot. She would run up and down the aisle screaming and, and speaking in tongues is a thing they did a lot. And this was at the white church. Running up and down the aisle screaming and speaking in tongues. And then another person would um, prophesy. She, they would interpret, quote unquote, Edie's ramblings and say that this is what God was actually saying as Edie was running up and down the aisle and then eventually would fall down and lay down for a nice long rest on the altar. Um, that church was weird. I was going to say, oh my God. Oh, cause you know, again, Catholic, we, I'm not Catholic, raised Catholic. Cause we were like, my family was very, 
we weren't the Easter Christmas Catholics. We were like we showed up every week. We went to yeah. Saturday Mass every week up until high school because then in high school we, you know, were in marching band and we would go on competition, like go to our competition. So it conflicted. Mm-hmm. But outside of marching band season, we were always going to church every Saturday, and 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 if you don't know much about Catholicism, I mean it's very much a ritual there Mm -hmm. it's there's a lot of rules Mm -hmm. i can't tell you them because that would require me (laughs) having to have paying attention um but you don't just run up and down because that would definitely be against the rule like you can't even get communion oh my god okay because i'm all about rules and if you're not going to follow the rules i mean i'm okay with challenging the rules too because obviously Mm -hmm. that's what we're doing but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I also get I'm, I get really hung up on these kind of things sometimes, like the yeah. unfairness of rules. Um, so like, and this relates to what we were talking about um, with Biden. Like Biden, he's Catholic, and they the the Catholic Church doesn't like that he's not going to try to like ban abortion or stop abortion. So they're just going to refuse to give him um, communion. Communion. Yeah, which is. Like, okay, again, if you're not Catholic, the only reason you wouldn't get communion is if you haven't had your first Holy Communion or mm-hmm. if you haven't confessed or went to confession. Um, and I guess technically no one really checks. So I guess you could still go to like a different church and get communion if you really wanted to. But if mm-hmm. you're going to be following the rules, you need to have your first Holy Communion and then go to confession. And like, that's literally it. Like, that is literally it. So for them to say, like, no, you can't. It's like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be an asshole. Anyways, so. Right. And this is coming from an ex-Catholic. Except I don't think I really was a Catholic. I got a cute dress for my first Holy Communion, and that was bomb. And I got pizza <laughs> at Catechism, and that was bomb. But other than that, whatever. Um, you know, I think I'm going to order pizza tonight. That sounds good. Go ahead. That sounds, that does sound It sounds good, better. But... You know what? Cute dresses sound cute, too. Yeah. Um, Catholicism does not, though. Catholicism but, so, so when not you're cute. talking so about ahead. running up and down the aisle, it's like that just blows my brain because that's not what we do as Catholics, you know. But well, I mean, when you when you think about this, you might picture okay, these are young people doing this kind of shit. This woman was easily mm-hmm. in her fifties, mm-hmm. easily in her fifties. The people who who were doing the translations were, you know, translations were easily between. 40 and 60 easily there was it was a a regular occurrence for an elderly person to stand up interrupt the speaker and scream out their prophecy whether it be good or bad sometimes and this was always interesting they would stand up and say i don't know who needs to hear this right now but somebody needs to hear and then they would go on whatever diatribe whatever bullshit thing they felt like they had to say so sometimes it was like you must keep yourself pure for god remember whoever you are that needs to hear this right now keep yourself pure because christ is watching you and as you know teenagers sitting around we're like oh god doesn't want us to have sex oh that's what they that prophecy was for me and it was telling me not to have sex or whatever it was we thought it might be that day, you know, and and you know how I, I well, you know how old biddies are. They're all sitting around at at their church things and they're gossiping about everyone, and then they bring it into the church, 
And they they pass judgment in front of everybody by saying, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you need to stay true to your husband right now. Don't leave him. Everything is going to be fine. And then we find out two weeks later that Miss Mac had to leave her husband because he was abusive. And these old biddies knew about the whole time. So it's cheese me on a platform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. Sorry. It took me a second to comprehend what you had said because my Spanish is not great. But yes. Oh. <laughs> Not, nor is it, nor mine, um, but I do know cheese me. Yeah. Um, the, them being little cheese mosas and, um, <laughs> you know, it, but I think that's, the, I, I think we're digressing from the fact that we're talking about religion and how it ties into culture and how really it's just kind of the shift from colonizers religion. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, and sometimes like that kind of blows my brain too, mm-hmm. like, why are we keeping this when it's clearly something that was used to oppress and continue to still oppress? So I was watching... I have, I have an opinion on that, but I want to hear more about what you're going to say first. Oh, because uh, recently I was watching Milk, and I think I might have mentioned this the last time. And so I was thinking about how, you know... Uh, okay, let me rephrase that. Um, so I... I like TikTok. I tend to look at TikTok for like at least an hour right before going to bed because there's funny stuff and then there's educational stuff and I learn so much and I get good laughs as well. So there's this one person um, at Modern Warrior. I think his name's Mm -hmm. Lance and he's native and he starts everything with, hey, colonizer. And Mm -hmm. so, and he's usually responding to people when they get, usually white people who get upset for being colonizer. Like, that's not a thing. You're being racist. How dare you? So I'm watching Milk, and there's this whole thing with Anita Bryant coming in and trying to appeal laws that would protect gay teachers. And I thought Senator Briggs was also... They created um, a proposition or whatever, you know, back in the day, where they were going to fire all the gay teachers and anyone who supports them. And I and as I was watching that, I'm like, oh, my God, this is literally, literally colonization. I don't feel comfortable with whatever you guys are doing because of my God. So I need to force my morals and values onto you because it is not proper based on my religion. I mean, that's literally how it goes. And it like just blew my brain. And so I think I was thinking about that, how that is still occurring And I was thinking about the Catholic Church and I was thinking Mm -hmm. about Mexicans and like Mexico and just like, you know, most of like, you know, Latin America, like how and Catholicism and how it's obviously not saying all Mexicans are Catholic. Clearly, that is overgeneralization. However, there are a lot of Mexicans who are Catholics. And I'm like, but that's also kind of falling for the oppressor's religion because the Spaniards are the ones who brought that. So it just right. kind of like did this mind fuck in my head. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah. So there's that. Here's my opinion on why so many black and brown people or people who have had their, their personal religion stolen from them still uh, have adopted and continue to adopt the oppressor's religion. In my opinion, Once you have no belief system, once your belief system has been decimated to the point that you can no longer recognize it or claim it as your own, you, you start to live in a way where you 
you feel like you need some sort of belief system. There have been many days since I walked away from the Christian church that I look at my life and I look at at the world and I think, man, I wish I did have a God to believe in. I wish I, be I wish there was someone I could pray to. So <clears throat> you have that belief system. You have that, that need, that drive for something to believe in. Then you top that with this this thing that you've been told that this this book the bible is accurate and then within the bible they talk about how slaves are freed they talk about the the land of milk and honey they talk about this place that you will go and you will finally be equal and treated with worth and valued and then they continue to talk about heaven and how if you behave yourself and you do all of these things in just the right way, and then if you get into the New Testament, mostly it's if you just tell Jesus that you love him a lot, then you get to go to heaven. So live your life right while you're on earth, do what is necessary, and then go to heaven and all of the shit that you just went through on earth won't even matter anymore. Because you get to be in heaven with God. And it doesn't matter about, it doesn't, all the racists don't care anymore. All these people who used to say, you know, I, I can't be around you because of your skin color. When you get to heaven, skin color doesn't matter anymore. Everyone's white. Because, you know, that's how Jesus was painted in those pictures. Um, <clears throat> so it comes down to that. And then you, so you take those basic belief things, the need for religion, the need to believe, the need for hope, the need to believe that there's some happy place at the end of this. Then you couple it with what was occurring before social media. We didn't have a way to organize widely. So instead, we, black people, brown people, they went to churches and the churches helped them organize. You got up you with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said, black people need to come together. Black people need to hold hands together against injustice. We need to organize and protest and be there. Today, we still see black people coming together in their churches. And I, again, I can only speak about black, the black experience because I've been to very limited other religious services and not enough of them to speak on them. Um, but I know in the black church, you show up and they're organizing trips to the voting booths. They're, they're having potlucks at the end of the day. So everybody leaves with a full belly They're They organize rides to and from the churches are air conditioned. So it might be the only time you get out of the heat. The, the churches are warm. So it might be the only time you get somewhere warm to sit. Um, they, they have clothing drives. So your kids have clothes and a lot of these black and brown people live in areas that are impoverished. So they may not get these services elsewhere. They may not. I, I remember even for us, we lived in a poor white town, even though it was primarily white. Our church had regular fellowship meetings after church. And it, I would go afterwards and I, I, was very, very involved. And so I would help set up and I'd help clean up and everything else. But that lunch was always good. I always got to sit down with a full plate of food and eat, you know, and yes, my grandmother made sure usually that we had food at home. But still, after my grandpa died, that was even harder for her. So getting to have that, that traditional meal with people around me who said I was the good one and I was okay and don't worry about it everything was okay mm -hmm. that was kind of nice you know 
So what I'm hearing is, which is what I was thinking anyway, it's sometimes a little bit of a mindfuck just because of all the different things it can bring to a community, but also all the ways it can oppress a community as well. Like, both are true. Right. When you don't know the history, I think it's a lot easier to just fall for all of the good parts. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to say, well, they gave me food or they weren't mean to me today or nobody told me I was bad or... I go to a a Baptist church and every other person who goes there, God damn it, and every other person who goes there is also black. So I'm not I'm not involved with the oppressors here. There's no oppressors at my church. Except then it, except then, then yeah, because you draw that line through historical colonialism and you say, What did I lose? Why why mm-hmm. am I not watching and why am I not worshiping Iamiae? From, you know, or from your Belinda or um, from the Kikondo or uh, Kikondo, Kikongo, Kikongo um, area or mm-hmm. why, where are my gods? Where are the people I used to be able to worship? Mm-hmm. And one of when I when I went to this thing uh, on on Thursday, one of the things they did was they got to speak in their language. And it was so beautiful to get to hear them speaking in their language because they said, I'm not letting this be stolen from me anymore. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets to take away my tongue. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets to take away my songs. Well, I was even thinking about like, even though you can congregate with people who look like you, there's still oppression because like the Catholic church is extremely transphobic and homophobic. And so, yeah, you're with people who look like you, but are you really with people who look and accept you? And how easy is it for you to get kicked out or even murdered Yep. for being different? And so it goes back to like, okay, it can bring people together, but it also, it's that superiority of this is the only way you need to be, you know, and so it's still. Well, we can, we can reference back to the episode we had with Lane, where he spoke about how. When you come out as a gay person in a in a conservative community, he was very involved in his church. When you come out, you had to leave when mm-hmm. he was growing up because the, the church was not about to accept you. The town mm-hmm. was not about to accept you. It's it's conditional love. It is 100 percent, which is kind of fucked up. I mean, <laughs> like, oh, my God, like, as we're talking, I mean, it's fucked up on all these, like, why can't people, which goes back to, like, what we were talking about with our bodies, why can't mm-hmm. our bodies just be enough? Why can't well, we just be enough? Why does it always have to be, this is how, the only way I get to fit in, this is the only mm-hmm. way I can receive love, this is the only way I can be accepted is by yeah. making these parts of me small or erasing them completely. Right. There's a song right. in there's a song in Book of Mormon that just makes me laugh so much. I love yeah, yeah, I mean, problematic stuff too, but whatever. But like in Book of Mormon, there's this song called Turn It Off. And mm-hmm. so there's this guy who's singing about how he has gay thoughts, but he just turned it off and Magic. A, yeah, he's like just turn it off, turn it off. And it comes like has like a whole like tap number and like sparkling <laughs> sequin vests and whatever. Um if you I'm have a have bad to watch that. Oh, it's hilarious. Like, I think one person, his sister died of cancer and he missed, he didn't get to see her because he was in line to get the next iPod or iPhone. Um, and so he's grieving and they're like, ha just turn it off, turn it off. Um, wow. So, so yeah, here, here he is with these, all of them have these really uncomfortable moments 
but we have to shut that shit down and just mm-hmm. be positive. Otherwise, I can't be accepted. Right. Right. But yeah, that's a funny song, though. Really, <sighs> everyone should listen to it and then we can all sing it together. You know, I find it amusing thinking back now because while I was in the church, I spent a lot of time not knowing, <laughs> not knowing that I was being oppressed or that my people had been oppressed because so much of that has been hidden from us for centuries now. So we were told it's okay that we came and decimated your gods and decimated your beliefs because our God is the real true God and you really needed to meet him anyway. So I believed that growing up. And now looking back, I I don't believe that. Um, And recently after we started this show and after we started our business, um, I was contacted by somebody from that time in my life. And she asked me, how I came to terms with my current identity as a, a queer woman, as a, a black woman, all of those things. This person from my life did not acknowledge that I was no longer in the church and in particular wanted an opinion from a person with a religious viewpoint. I did not realize that when I gave my my response. She asked how I dealt with it, how I got past everything. And I said, well, first I had to accept there was no God and being able to accept there was no God and there was no religion. There was no major person in the sky ready to judge me for every action I took freed me from the preconceived notions that I had held and that poisoned me from a young age as a child, um, as a young person. And I I don't think that that's what this person was looking for as a response, but I feel like that response is the most honest because there, yes, there are times that I look at my life and I look at the world and I wish there was somebody I could pray to. I, I, I close my eyes and I tell myself, God, let there be a God, any God that I can, I can just say, please fix the situation. But then I open my eyes again and I realize that I'm in the real fucking world and that if anything is going to get done, it's time to roll up our fucking sleeves and get to work. And then I'm thinking about like, uh huh, I want to, because a lot of the people who do like decolonize work do like they do ancestral work as well. They try to connect with their ancestors and I'm very literal in my head and I'm just thinking the most recent ones and you know, and they talk about getting strength from them. And I look back at mine. I'm like, yeah, no, we were like, this, I, I'm just thinking about the colonizers. And I don't yeah. know if they would approve of me because one, I'm a woman and I'm stepping out of my, I'm stepping out of my lane, being a loud mouth, challenging and whatever. Like I'm not actively trying to appease the patriarchy and I'm making, trying to make myself as big as possible. I'm still working on it. I mean, I'm a product of the society too. I mean, let's be honest, but you know, so I'm like, oh, I think I would have to dig deeper. And I don't really know a lot about my family to dig deeper into like, okay, what were the indigenous tribes that Mm -hmm. were destroyed by the colonizers, by the Spaniards? So, you know, I guess it's like, how do you get to connect with your own cultures the best way you can, given that that history, like they have all these barriers. Well, they they purposely worked hard. (laughs) They worked hard to make sure that we would never be able to trace our lineage. I mean, they it's not like they took studious notes on which tribes they removed Mm -hmm. slaves from 
so that I can go back and say, oh, I was on this plantation and therefore I was taken from this tribe. And if I go back, I'll be able to well, connect with that tribe. Well, even with like being enslaved in the U.S., like mm-hmm. they made sure to disconnect people from their families. Like here, here are your children and I'm going to take them away and put them over here and you'll never hear or see them ever again. Yep. So like even having any kind of heritage at the beginning of being in, like, there's, well, how, how are you so supposed would, to? What, what they would do with the slave trade is they would take people who were on, from the same tribes and separate them. So they were never, there were never people from the same tribes on the same plantations or very rarely. And then as people gave birth, they would separate families. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mothers and fathers didn't stay together. Children didn't stay with their mothers and grandparents, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. In on, on the other side of the nation, they were doing similar things with, uh, with the Mexican population and the native population where not only were they breeding, interbreeding within them so that they were, diminishing the bloodline of the natives that were already here they were also stamping out languages they were also Mm -hmm. imposing their own stamping out religions and imposing their own and changing our belief systems in every way possible and if that's what they've done it's very very difficult for us to look back and say okay well now i want to get in touch with that or i want to learn that language now so Mm -hmm. one thing i'm doing one effort i'm making um and, and this was inspired by the event I went to on Thursday is I, I don't care what native language I learn right now. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is, but I am determined to start reclaiming languages. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always I've always been a big fan of Spanish because it sounded cool in my mouth. And I was like, OK, well, if I'm going to learn a language, I might as well. I lived in California. Of course, I'm going to learn Spanish. Well, <laughs> But now, now I'm up here and I, I'm, I, there, there's very few people who speak Spanish. Sure. I could learn French, but that's just another language of the colonizers. So, So, yes. Well, that's what I'm saying is I didn't know that at the time, but now that I'm up here, sure. I could claim French, but that's just another language of the colonizers. They also don't enunciate all their vowels or all their, uh, consonants. And I'm sorry, I can't do that. It just doesn't make sense when I'm reading it. But anyway, (laughs) so I'm going to try to learn other languages of people who are from here. And then I'm hoping that as I as I grow and and change and start claiming more of my culture that did originate from certain areas of Africa. And yes, I've done that DNA test. So I know approximately where I supposedly came from. But who the fuck knows for real? But I am going to look and I am going to find out and see if I can connect with those cultures as well, because that's something that I feel like I need. And I've always wanted to be more connected with my culture, both Mexican and um, more and more recently, more indigenous. Well, no, I guess always I've always been interested in like family lineage and shit like yeah. that. Like uh, my family came from Zacatecas. Um, my family came from. Yeah, mainly Zacatecas. I think that's one of the main areas. And so maybe learning more about what indigenous tribes were there. Like, what what can I get? Because I know there is history there. You just have to dig for it. Which also makes it hard because I don't speak Spanish. And this is also another mindfuck because just because you're, like, oppressed to the U.S. doesn't always mean you're not an oppressor elsewhere. So, like... Um, I'm thinking about Mexicans in the U.S. You can be a white, you know, white presenting Mexican in the U.S. And as soon as you cross the border, you're just white. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Which is because they also struggle with like colorism and whatnot. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of discrimination towards black folks and also indigenous folks in Mexico still. Um, and they and they also have problems with people from down south. So they, they have their own like they have their own shit. But I know for me, I want but that language became you know, this dirty thing in the U.S. It's not English, so we need to stamp that out. So I kind of feel like I want to help learn as much as I can. But I also want to acknowledge that that's also an oppressor language, too. So yeah. I'm oppressed and oppressor all in the same one. Yay! My fuck. It's really <laughs> difficult. It's really difficult. So you know, I, mm-hmm. I talked to my grandfather. Well, I talked to my grandmother about my grandfather. We used to talk with the grandfather, but he died but he, his grandmother was full-blooded Cherokee, and his grandfather was a Spaniard. And they can recognize that that was both colonizer and colonized. Hard as fuck, but they can. Well, I mean, and I think that's part of it, and that's part of why we talk about privilege and lack of privilege. And you can be oppressed and also be an oppressor at the same time. So if you can recognize those identities where you have the history of oppressing, like being straight, we have the history of, well, you're not straight, but me being straight, I have the, you know, my history involves oppressing people who are queer, killing people who are queer, who are gay and lesbian and bi and pan and demi and if you're not straight there's something wrong with you and we either need to convert you into being straight or we need to like mm-hmm. kill you off um you know us being cis and that one i know you, you know we have the power to we legislate over what somebody can do with their body you know yeah. so we need to acknowledge these areas where we historically we are oppressors mm-hmm. So we can, you know, not do that shit. But we are. So moral of the story is fuck oppressors. Fuck the system. Accept yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Just accept yourself. And if you really want to go for it, like really like want to go for it. I mean, hey, sure. Love yourself and love your body. But if not, like accept it. Like it's there. It's a thing. And it was one. It's it is what it is. And just because colonizer culture and ideas and expectations and whatever says otherwise, they can go fuck themselves. They can go fuck themselves. Um, it's about that time, guys. So we can go ahead and sign off. Um, I hope that we have helped you think about your own intersecting identities because that's a big part of what we're talking about here. Yes, I am black, but I am also mixed, so I have white in me. Yes, I am an an atheist, but I was raised a Christian, and so I have those ideas stuck in my head, Mm -hmm. and I have to challenge them anytime I want to make progress, anytime I want to make change. These are the these are the colonialized ideas that we are talking about when we say, "This is just the world we live in. It's just the world we live in." Yeah. And we can, and we don't have to say that this is, this is it. We don't have to accept it. We don't have to continue letting these things get erased to make the, I guess, the system comfortable because we're not comfortable. That's literally violence towards us. And I'm going to say no. Like, how about not? Yeah. 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 I like that. 
I like that. Let's not allow the system to continue to wipe us out. Let's not allow the system to continue to wipe out others. Let's just accept people where they are and try to decolonize our ideals because who knows what we'll find. Yeah. So you ready to sign off? I'm ready to sign off. Well, we have been Rebel Revolution. I'm Nikki Hafner. And I'm Allison Gomez. And you can find us at rebelrev.co or you can find me at on or you can find me on Twitter at Hafner Nikki. And you can find me at Allison Gomez LMFT. You can find our socials Rebel Rev underscore. It's for Instagram and Twitter. But before we head off, we are we are offering a two-hour training, um, the four pillars of decolonizing or de-weaponizing um, privilege and bias. This is something that's going to give you a really good foundation in terms of, we're not going to teach you everything about every culture because, one, we are not experts in every culture. It, the world is way too diverse for anyone. So anyone to claim that, that's... Um, Ego, that's some ego if you can claim that. But what we are gonna, but what we are offering is to help give you this foundation and learning how to be open to accepting this information because this shit's hard. It causes a lot of existential shit, like existential angst and growth. And we're gonna help give you the tools to learn how to cope with it and to kind of, yeah, how to grow and accept that discomfort so you can be a better advocate, so you can be fighting these changes without like self-imploding sustainable changes yeah (laughs) it really focuses on the four pillars of de-weaponizing your own privilege and bias yes so it's going to take a look at your privilege and bias individually and um and as a whole with the other people in the group and it's a very short training you know just two hours of your time with lots of discussion well, i don't know about lots but plenty of discussion and feedback on our end and we'll go over what your intersecting identities are mm-hmm. and how we can use that knowledge to keep from hurting others and causing harm in our lives and in society as at large yeah so make sure to reserve a spot we have limited spots only we have three classes going 10 per class we want to make sure it's small so it can be safe for us to talk about these things instead of like those big anonymous ones um so make sure to sign up um it is you can go to rebelrev.co um to get more information on the four pillars to de-weaponizing privilege and vice so everyone have a lovely rest of your day and we'll catch you next time okay bye bye